Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A malibu.com, code GLOW. So we teamed up once again with Who No Wins for this episode. We've got Happy another days. league. Did do you know since we did the last advert, I've actually won one of these leagues. I believe so. It's yeah. about two hundred and ninety-five yeah. quid. I was. was it? Yeah. From yeah. five. Did you hand it back? Pardon? Like a raffle. I thought you were looking good. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've had my eyes done. I've had my eyes done. We got some new clubber. No, I fuck. Yeah, I think it was about two hundred ninety-five quid. I won from my fiver. I won the league. We've cashed out. <laughs> no, she's still in there. Oh yes, ready for ready for this week. Well, to be fair, I had a go last night, and for my fiver, I came joint second. So what did you get back? Four pound ninety eight. <laughs> <laughs> so a two pence down at night, but it was entertaining. Bit of interest for you, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, two people split uh, about two hundred and thirty five quid. I think. So we're going again this weekend, are we? Yes, we are. Ten games this weekend. You've picked, aren't you? Me and John have picked them. Yep. Hand-picked. Hand? We've picked games that, from teams who Tricky. we're interested Tricky in. Tricky ones. Tricky well, ones, aye, but who we're interested we in. We don't want dead certs, do we? Players, well, there's no point, is there? What's the point of everybody winning? Exactly. If you know what I mean. Exactly. Mm. There's no point. I mean, we had an £865 pot last time, didn't we? How much, who won? How much did they win? Um, £525, yeah. £550. I met him, by the way. Where? I was at York Races. And he tapped us on the shoulder. I can't remember. Woody, was it Woody? Woody. Was Woody. it Woody? I'll tell you what he'd done. He'd bought a fucking racehorse with you. <laughs> <laughs> he'd bought a racehorse with you. And it was actually him. Did he fuck? <laughs> he didn't buy your pint? Yeah. But it was, yeah, he showed us the, the winning. He must have screenshotted it. I think it was yeah. his new profile picture or something. <laughs> well, you would be, wouldn't you? Yeah. 525 for your fiver. So yeah, Woody, well done, mate. If you don't know who who knows wins are, because we have spoke about them before, haven't we? There's a company that have declared that enough is enough with the bookmakers. Why lose your money with the bookies when you can win and lose it with your mates? Well, that's fair. Even if they're not your mates. Download the app, join in. £5 a bash. Ten games. Whoever makes the most cor- correct predictions, how much do you win? It just depends how much is in the pot. First. 65%. Second. 25%. Third. 10%. There you go. 
My maths will work that out as 100%. Don't you worry about that. So there's two games Sunday, aren't they? So there's a bit of interest there for anybody all yeah, weekend. Yeah, it's over the weekend and it's Saturday, Sunday. So 10 games, predict your winners? Yep. Yep. Predict, predict the result. Predict the result. And whoever gets the most wins the pot or a share of. Yeah. I, 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 I do it every week, me. You're from really the, into it, aren't you? From the Krakow game, I, I, I've done it every week since. Obviously, I have, a, I have a bit of money to play with in it, you know what I mean? Because I've had that big win. <laughs> <laughs> I keep, keep sending your screenshots. I know. <laughs> we just missed that by one result this week, lads. Are you still active on the chat? Uh, oh, I'm in it. Uh, I'm in the chat, yeah. Batter people on it, I do. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm on the chat. Uh, it's just good crack, isn't it? It's just a different way of, of, of having a... Making it a bit more interesting. Yeah. So if you want to join the league, you just get over to the Apple Apple Store or Google Play, download the Who Knows Wins app and join the Under the Cost League, £5 I think, in. I think the thing with it is, is the, the, the best thing for me is, when you if you have an accumulator on a Saturday, everyone's got to be right on it to win. Yeah. On this, it doesn't... You could get 7 out of 10 and still take the pot. I think that's the most appealing yeah. thing yeah. for me. Like, and the thing is, then you can set up your own private leagues, can't you? With your so you mates, your mates just in. invite your mates in. <laughs> oh, you know, right. if, if you're at work, all on a all on a desk, six or seven here, right? Come on, let's have a let's have a league this weekend. Everybody chuck in. I think it's uh, it's good. It's I, a good I, show. I, I've, been, I've been enjoying it. So get on over to the App Store or Google Play and download Who Knows Wins and uh, join the Under Cost League. We'll see you who in knows? there. What 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 are you going to spend? What would you spend your winnings on? Uh, probably food. <laughs> food? Oriental cuisine, John? Yes. How are we doing? You alright? Yeah, Welcome very well. Under the cosh. Clark Carlisle, part two. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. Alright. You look good again. Yeah. Thanks. Are we all are we all putting a bit of timber on, by the way? Because we've all worn black today. <laughs> I can confirm that I am putting on some yeah. what, uh, What's happening to your diet? Yeah, well, oh, fucked it off. got comfortable right now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I need to get into some sort of fitness regime. I've let my fitness slip. <laughs> John, slip. You weren't here, Chris, but John, about 10 minutes before you came in, says, bear in mind, I haven't had a sweat on, a physical sweat on since I finished. I think I'm actually in quite good nick. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> I didn't say like that. that. No, what I said is... <laughs> To say the only sweat I've had on is when I've been lying in a sun lounger. <laughs> that reminds us, by the way, I think we should have a new feature. Two minutes of all about John. Just, just get it out of the way. Two minutes, John. all about John. We can get we can get our little theme tune. And yeah. Everything. Wait just, a minute. Wait a just minute. John. Sold. Wait a minute. I, I we spoke about. I, I was about us all wearing black, asking no, about Tinder. Know, but then you brought me up. I'm bringing it in. Right. Because you like you like you, you like we like to hear it as well. I thought by now. I won't be struggling to tie my shoelaces. <laughs> April, May, June, July, August, ten months, November. Eight months after, eight months post football, I thought I'd be, I'd, I'd be getting an invite on a TV program you know, so to lose you, weight. But uh, you yeah, still see the get old Christmas way. That's my, th- that's my yeah. plan. Well, after, January, January, I'll New Year's in, resolution, new, new Year, new me, <laughs> New Year, Jim. new John. Join the gym in January and get some timber off. What would your attire be? Oh, Lycrex. Definite liker all the way. I look like <laughs> Mr. Water. I look like a chubby fucking Matthew Pinson. <laughs> <laughs> Clark Carlisle. Done well, episode. Yeah, I mean, at the time we really enjoyed it. 
and I really have enjoyed watching it back. Yeah, really have enjoyed it. I think a lot of people's perception of him have changed. Yeah. From the comments that we've got, mm-hmm. a lot of people have said that uh, how fantastic it is that we're giving people a platform to speak about mental health and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Which, if we're perfectly honest, we're never really as intention were nah. it. Obviously, it's fantastic that that's that's the case. And but if, it just goes to show how much, how much of a big part the players, people, people, fans don't realise what what footballers go through yeah. a lot of the time. And I, but I think there's a fair amount of people have said I actually start thinking now before I give somebody abuse and mm. which think, can only be good yeah definitely I I, th- I found it to be a massive eye opener to be fair because I'll be honest I've I've in the past said you know when when somebody's maybe you hear about somebody's attempted suicide or, or what not and I've said and they've got kids or whatever, you just think selfish. Mm. It's a selfish, selfish, selfish act. Think about the people that you're leaving. But I think from what Clark was saying, you, you're not in a corpus mentis sense. Well, you have the mindset that it'd be better for everybody. Yeah. Yeah, he said that. He said yeah. it was in spite of that that he did it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, for so that you, reason. You know, it's that understanding that whoever it is, the mindset isn't in the place of... And a lot of people... A lot of people... Mm. Yeah. Will, or... Or anybody else. A lot of people think, well, they get paid enough money. But it's not not about that, is it? You know what I mean? No. Nah. Don't matter if, if he's on one a grand a week or twenty grand a week, it'd have still been exactly the same if he were on hundred grand a week. It wouldn't have been any less uh it wouldn't have been any happier on hundred grand a week than whatever he were earning. Yeah. It, it's the the money aspect of it is not uh, not nothing to do with it really. I think in this episode it's gonna be Delve in there a bit deeper, mm-hmm. and more of the same, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I th- I thought it was interesting when he was like, it could have been anything. It could have been drinking. It could have been. Ga- he just needed to do something to keep his mind off football manager. Yeah. Well, I said when I when I seen him, it was championship manager two thousand and two. Oh, championship manager. That was that was its call. But he, it could be anything. Like he, yeah. Just to to get away from it. So mm. that's why sending to the priory probably, you know, it, it didn't work for him. Yeah, because it was. Yeah, you're only. He's still got on nothing. He's still got nothing else outlet, to. Aren't you? yeah. you're not fixing the problem. But we've had uh, really good response from people saying that it's made them think and help them, which for us is fucking brilliant, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. We, we recorded for about four and a half hours. Yeah, didn't it was we? the longest one. For four and a half hours, we were at it. Didn't seem like four and a half hours. No, it? no. So yeah, and as I say, I hope people have changed the perception of him. Or some people, I definitely have because they've messaged us telling us that. Mm. Just trying to understand, understand why, isn't it? Mm. So yeah, really hope you enjoy it. Clark Carlisle part two. I, I listened to it again last night and zoned in all the way through. Should, can we say, should we get him in? No, because he's already here, isn't he? <laughs> he's already here. <laughs> Clark, continue. <laughs> Carry on, Clark. As you were, Clark. As you were. Before he said, "Come down to Watford." Yeah, you signed at Watford. 
Yeah, that was when I had the, the conversation with Boschkamp. Oh, so do I. <laughs> and Adi did everything within his power to get us down there. Because uh, I, I wasn't even going to go and talk to him, you know. I said, Adi, we, you know, we've got his Stoke. Stoke's here, you know, he's only an hour from Preston. Mm. And he said, Clark, just, just come down and, and let me show you. Because they were at uh, London Colney, weren't they? Arsenal's old training ground. It's like, you'll, you'll like all this, blah, blah, blah. And uh, the chairman came to meet us as well, and he really pushed the boat out to Elton. Uh, sorry, not the chairman, the <laughs> chief exec. Oh, um, what was it? it Elton then? Elton was yeah, the chairman. Yeah, yeah. yeah the did chief we, exec. Did you not was, meet him. No, uh, we did meet him. Yeah, he, he flew in on his helicopter um, to come and say hello to the boys, and he had a, the biggest four-finger ring I've ever <laughs> seen. <laughs> now that's not a euphemism. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a euphemism. But I always show the biggest He had a, a huge jewel across four fingers, and uh, you couldn't take your eyes off it. It was incredible. He <laughs> just came in to say hello to the boys. And remember, for Christmas that year, we all chipped in, and AD bought him uh, his and his towels for Christmas. <laughs> we thought that was lovely. <laughs> he was like, oh, so thoughtful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, was there a time Glenn Hoddle accused you of trying to stamp on Michael Oakes at Wolves? Probably. Yeah? I don't remember that. I don't remember individual incidents, many of them. Um, what I'm going to say is it's highly probable that, that I did some of the underhand stuff because that's how I was taught. Yeah. You know, I was taught by Dave Linnigan and Mike Davis at Blackpool in 1996. The, the, the first thing that Mike Davis taught me was to know where the linesman's looking and where the referee's looking. Once you know those two things, you know exactly where your point of impact should be. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and that's it. It's old school. You know where you can smash him. Yeah, it's Mm. like like John was saying earlier, first two minutes, I'm going to put my nut on the back of his head and he's going to know that I'm there. Because for the next 88 minutes, I want him to be thinking about where I'm coming from and not where the ball's coming from. So it, it was old school. And not only that, you could tackle. There's an art to tackling, like, hard. There's an art to a safe, aggressive tackling. Sometimes I didn't get it quite right, but, you know, being able to put a little horse step in your run-up yeah. so that it's 40-60, so <laughs> that you can then go in full pelt, take the ball, take the man. The crowd loves it. Yeah, Everyone everyone's loves in it. a heat. Gets a big uh, cheer. Uh, yeah. Uh, they were the moments where, as a defender, I could directly influence a game. You know, I, I, I remember making my Premier League debut for Watford. I'd been injured for eight months and um, I had bone growing in my hip flexor and I thought I'd missed out. We got promoted to Premier League. I thought, oh, I missed out. But um, I got back fit, finally got a game against Portsmouth. I swear, this is the greatest tackle of my career. I was running full steam towards Lamano Lawalawa. He was on the halfway line, facing his own goal. The ball's coming to him. I'm running full pelt at him. I've got to get close. I'm getting close. I'm thinking, he doesn't know I'm coming here. Getting close. He doesn't know I'm coming here. <laughs> thought, if he doesn't look over his shoulder in the next half second, he's getting it. <laughs> he just he tried to open the ball on the turn, as he always does on the half turn. <laughs> Mate, I, he got some hang time. <laughs> I took the, the, the ball went out for a goal kick. <laughs> He got some hang time. He, it must have been about three seconds in the air, down in the heap. The whole crowd went. <laughs> but, but as a defender, yes, oh, 
it was Neanderthal, but it was awesome. You know, that it gives everyone a lift. That's how a defender changes the course of a game. All the crowd get noisy. All your lads are like, yeah, smash him. Great tackle. <laughs> The, uh, the, chief, the chief exec, was he chief exec? Club set? Uh, Mark Ashton, he was the chief exec. His son, um, he said, Clark, will you come and watch me lad, Nathan? Will you come watch him play football? I think he was only about five. And um, he said, he's, you know, he's your biggest fan. He's got a collar on his back, blah, blah, blah. They were playing in this little four-sided game or something. And uh, the ball came in between him and this lad. I went, Nathan, smash him! For two years, Mark said, Clark, every Saturday now, he's there, smash him! <laughs> smash him, telling those little mates. I'm like, oh my gosh, I've created a little hooligan. <laughs> oh, you forget how influential you can be, yeah. you know, in that position. I only said it as a joke, but probably a half joke. That was an intimidating team, one at Watford. Remember yeah. Henderson up front? Big Darius. Darius Kingy. Will, I think he was one of the, the most horrible I've played against. He used to like try breaking people's arms, you know, grab your arm and try. He's into his UFC, isn't he? Uh, He's into his UFC. I was going to say, this is a guy, I mean, you know, you took the piss out of lads if they had pictures of George Best or, or, or Pele on the wall but at least they had a football superstar this guy had MMA fighters on his wall <laughs> yeah. and Chuck Norris <laughs> you know? he's kind of like Darius come on mate <laughs> chill out he's uh, oh he's got it was a horrible team weren't it? Yeah. it was an aggressive team a horrible team we, we, we played for power and percentages before the game did he tell you to? Yep, we worked on it, mate. We had training sessions on tunnel intimidation. Yeah. We used to, um, everyone would stand on the tiptoes, we'd have the biggest people interspersed, and they would all jump. And then usually Danny Shitu would be shouting, going, oh, like real guttural groans, oh, oh. And he'd get the goalkeeper to uh, go across, bounce the ball across the tunnel in front of the opposite captain, straight in front of his eye line. Just to put him off and do that until you walked Watford out. Honestly, yeah, it was unbelievable. We won games before we got out the yeah. tunnel. Yeah, you could see guys shrinking. You could see some guys going, "Who are these dicks?" <laughs> <laughs> but they were usually the seasoned pros. Yeah. You know, some of the younger or more inexperienced ones. They were cowering. But it was a big team. Lloyd it, Doyle, right back. Lloyd Doyle. Yeah. He yeah. He's a, he's a lovely bloke, but he, he sounds thick as pig shit. <laughs> we used to say he's got a fat tongue. Yeah, <laughs> go on, Bless him, he's a lovely man as well. He's, he, he played about 17,000 games and got one shot on target. <laughs> I remember he was in that season, right? He'd never scored in 17,000 games. And uh, he was clean through on goal. And the whole squad was like, ah! <laughs> the whole stadium took a sharp intake of breath. And Lloyd's one-on-one with the keeper. He tries to chop it inside. Side, trips up, falls <laughs> teeth first into the penalty spot. <laughs> oh, 20,000 people and all his teammates like, oh, <laughs> Lloyd, it was your chance. <laughs> you fucked it up, Lloyd. Uh, young? No. Luke young, Leonard? Uh, Ashley Young. Ashley Young. Yeah, we had Ashley Young and on that's one wing. Get it manual, you know yeah. what I mean? Ashley Young on one side and either Anthony McNamee or Hammer Boatsa on the other. Uh, Darius and Kingy up front. We had another central midfielder. Who was it? Um, I know you. Dark-haired lad. Um, Springy. Yeah. Matthew Spring. Yeah, because he came down from Leeds as well. Yeah. 
yeah, mate. I just, there was only two people who were, who were under six foot, yeah, and uh, horrible, everyone man. else was just big, uh, aggressive, uh, and we were just taught Nasty. to intimidate. Yeah, but I've but I've met I've met Darius like after football, and he's lovely lad, lovely, lovely fella, mm-hmm. totally mm-hmm. opposite. I, I mate, you're right. And on the pitch, you want to fucking kill people. Mm. He likes the podcast as well, so we'll give him. A, uh, oh, does he? Give him yeah. props. Oh, top, man, yeah. top man, Daddy. Beautiful, <laughs> piercing blue eyes. You know, he's, he's cut like Johnny Bravo. <laughs> <laughs> Big man is a legend, though. Yeah. <clears throat> you don't sound too thick, Lloyd. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> Lloyd hates the podcast. Yeah. Say what you want about Lloyd. <laughs> so yeah. you, made your, you made your debut in the Premier League. Yeah. We well we. Oh, here's another one. This is one that a story I tell quite often. It's in the book. If you'd have read it, you'd have known. But uh, <laughs> well, you only need to come on last week. It takes me six months to read a book. <laughs> oh no, there's no pictures. It'll take you a year. <laughs> no, um, I left Leeds, and Ken Bates was a chairman, and uh, I got to Watford, and he sent me a bouquet of flowers, and it said, "Good luck at Watford. You'll need it." You know, well, that's a bit uncalled nice for, isn't it? It's like, yeah, a bit uncalled for go to Watford we get to play our final don't we play against Leeds Millennium Stadium beat them 3-0 so I sent him a bouquet of flowers <laughs> good luck in the championship you'll need it fuck <laughs> <laughs> you Ken there's no need for that yeah, there's that was... absolutely no need for it and do you know what hurt me about that transfer was that even though I'd made a permanent transfer uh Kevin Blackwell put in the contract that I couldn't play against Leeds that subsequent season. Do you know what? I read that you'd asked for that. No. Why would I, I not know. want to play against... Yeah. Why would I not want to play a game? He put it in there and I wasn't allowed to transfer until we agreed for that clause to be in. Right. And that meant that I couldn't play in the playoff final. Right. What are the chances of that happening? It's brutal, isn't it? Leeds against Preston... First time in my life I'm rooting for Preston. You know I'm from Preston, but I'm a donkey lasher, aren't I? Yeah. So, girl, in fact, I'll tell this truth as well. I hated Preston all my life. Absolutely hated North End. We're going to wrap it up. <laughs> it's my truth. They, they didn't take me old man on when he, he went for a trial there, and they totally ignored me from 11 to 16. Didn't even give me a look in. So I had to go to Blackpool dinner. And I totally despised them ever since. <clears throat> Being rejected by them really hurt me. So much so that I got four man of the matches at Blackpool and they were all against Preston. Preston. All of them. <laughs> uh, I remember smashing Greza, I think, on the, on the right-hand touchline. Fucking well done. Oh, it was, <laughs> <laughs> it was an absolute beauty. That was another one got a standing ovation. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, Preston. Oh, yeah, my hometown. Yeah, you ended up playing for them, though. I did. I did end up playing for them. And I said in the evening post, it's been a lifelong dream. <laughs> <laughs> Growing up on New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> fickle bastards, aren't we? Oh, we are, we're fickle bastards. Yeah, brilliant, man. <laughs> oh, dear, that's... <laughs> Burnley yeah. before that though yes yeah we won the final leads blah 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 couldn't play against them that was another reason why <laughs> oh check this for uh, would it be irony okay yeah I think it would so despise you Kevin Blackwell going to going to Watford da 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 we get promoted yay I'm injured Clark you need to get fit uh, go on loan to Luton go on loan to Luton Mike Newell's the manager 
Oh my goodness, Mike Neal. Can I say this one? Yeah. So, uh, go, go meet us at our house for, you know, we'll take you to training on, on Friday. Okay, go meet him. Sol Davis is asleep on his sofa. <laughs> Uh, Mike Newell's flicking hot fat on him because <laughs> <laughs> the pair of them have been at lash he's like come on Sol <laughs> he's flicking hot fat on him because he's making him a bacon sandwich <laughs> what the <laughs> what is this what, like, what is this like, yeah I could get used to this <laughs> make a sardy from the gaffer but anyhow there for a week Mike Newell gets sacked who walks in the door Kevin Blackwell oh Kev walks in the door and, and I, mate, I couldn't catch my breath, but it was so bizarre. He greeted me and Springy was there as well. He greeted me and Matthew Spring like we were his best mates. Yet he'd treat us like absolute dog dirt when we were at Leeds. And it's like, oh, Clark, how oh, are you doing? For Great to see you. You know, you, you're getting fit now. Yeah, you're good. I was like, oh, mate, this is horrible. What's, the body, what's your body language? My body language, um, to be fair, I think because of the position that I was on loan there and I, I knew I was going back to Watford in three weeks I was very dismissive you know I, I, I was yeah. kind of like yeah whatever mate gone, fuck off what, you, what, <laughs> you know whatever I'm here for three weeks I'm here to get me fit so I can go and play in the Premier League yeah. you know so I can I can chew this bone for three weeks not a problem but to be fair uh, Sam Ellis was, was his number two he was at Leeds and I've got so much time and love for Sam Sam's just a salt of the earth says it how it is you know, and he, he's a cloud. He says, "It's great to see you. Just get on with it, son." <laughs> like, oh, all right, Sam. You know, we we both got a job to do. Let's just get on with it. Like, all right, whiskey nose. Right. <laughs> he has got a big fucking yeah. ulcer. Oh so, yeah, yeah. We got on with it. Yeah, that was funny. Glad to go. Well, even closer. Not at the time because Watford got relegated back to Championship, and AD said he's selling me because I'm too slow. So you're too slow. Um, How old are you at this point? 28, 27, 27, 28. He says, um, and this is the thing about football. I think a lot of people don't understand this. I'll tell you the circumstances of it. But AD says, uh, he says, you're too slow. Uh, Danny's quicker than you. I said, yeah, but Danny makes more mistakes than me. He said, yeah, but he's got the pace to rectify him. I said, well, well wouldn't you rather not have a fire in the first place than having to put the fire out? And he's like, well, anyhow, I'm going for pace, blah, blah, blah. Okay. I turned up for a League Cup match. Uh, I was skipper to, for the League Cup match because he was putting the mushrooms out. You know how some managers do that. And um, I turned up for the game and he said, uh, he got me in in the corridor as you go in the players tunnel he said Clark accepted an offer from Burnley um, you know so you can go and talk to them I was like alright boss started walking to the uh, the dressing room he went no now you, you're not playing tonight go up and talk to him are you still going to play I was still going to play yeah so, I was going to walk through and, and play the game mate I haven't played that season you yeah. know I wanted to play games I said oh okay so I walked straight back out Bass of people who I've just signed autographs for, like, oh, Clark, where are you going? I'm like, oh, nowhere. Feeling like an absolute. <laughs> but I was ready to play the game, get in my car, drive up to Burnley, sign the contract. I'm training at Burnley the next day. So I'm, I ring the wife on the way from Vicarage Road to Turf Moor. Said, uh, love, uh, I think we're going to be going to Burnley. Oh, okay, when? Well, now. I'm on my way up there. Um, I'm going to talk to him. I'll be staying there tonight. And then I get there. 
signed the contract and like, right, love, we're moving to Burnley. When? Well, now. You know, so she she comes straight up. Mm. So from her sending me away to a game, yeah, from her sending me away to a game, I end up going to Burnley and signing and my job's in Burnley the next morning. It's ridiculous. Who signed you at Burnley? Steve Cottrell it was. Yeah, Steve Cottrell signed me there. What's he like? I know, he looks a bit of a tool, doesn't he? He looks a fucking ball bag, doesn't he? I'll tell you what he is, he's Marmite. He's Marmite. You'll either really like him or you'll really hate him. And I got on well with Cots. I got on very well with him. He, he was one of the first piece, people who I think had utter belief in me without any need for further reassurance. And that was the first time I'd felt that in my life. Mm. You know, and, and it, it even... I went out thinking I was the bollocks because he thought I was the bollocks. Yeah. Uh, and that was really strange. That hadn't happened to me before. My whole life prior to that, I'd, I'd felt like one of proving myself. But um, he took me there and he's like, Clark, look, you know, we're not a rich club. You know, it, it's not a massive club. We can only offer you five and a half, six, six and a half. <laughs> this is more than I'd ever had in my career. <laughs> Steve, I'm going to have to think about it. Steve, I've got to uproot the family. <laughs> you know, we're going to have to relocate everything. I'm not sure. It's like, Clark, I can't get a penny more. All right, maybe I can get an extra year for you. I was like, if you get an extra year, then, you know, we might be able to think about it. John, <laughs> <Dad>, guess what? <laughs> we're loaded. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she flew up the motorway. <laughs> <laughs> it was the best contract I'd ever had in my life, and he didn't know it. Ridiculous. <laughs> oh, wow. So, obviously, over the moon with the, the contract. Yeah. Are you happy to be moving back? Yep, yeah, happy to be yeah. moving back because uh, by this time I was married to my ex wife. She was a Leeds girl. So, my family in Preston, she's in Leeds. We popped right down on Saddleworth Moor, Rippenden. Uh, banging between both of them and it yeah. only took me half hour to go over at Tops to work. Also, anyone who, who plays for clubs around there live in Rippenden because when it snows, you can't, can't get out of the village. <laughs> <laughs> it's brilliant. <laughs> Gaffer, no, seriously, I can't get out my house. <laughs> First time, look at it, Gaffer. <laughs> so, yeah, moved up there and um, and I thought again it was going to be another dogfight, which is what I expected when I went to Watford, because Burnley were relegation favourites. Uh, I think it was the season before they'd gone on something like a twenty-one match uh, run without a win, something like yeah. that. Thirteen draws on the bounce. Um, yeah, but I, I was I was more sure of myself. Cots put that in, and I was more sure of myself. We were on good money, so financial implications had, had gone away with that. Uh, and I was ready to relax and, and, and set a family home. So I was I was in good fettle that first year. Mm. Um, Enjoying football? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Are you, but, are you, <clears throat> are you having a drink here or not? Uh, yes. Yeah, I am. But a sensible? Yeah, just occasionally yeah. with the lads as and when they go out. Um, but still with that mask that I'm top drinker though yeah. you know I've yeah. still got that mm-hmm. um, it, it's my trump card that I play um, but not in a in a in a way that it's affecting my daily life yeah. or anything like that just as and when you know we have lads nights out and stuff like that um, yeah and then then Cots got sacked and Owen Coyle came in 
the single most unprofessional manager I've ever had. Ever. is incredible. <laughs> Which it, is bizarre because the transformation from when he come in to... Well, it's the different ways to skin a cat. A.D. Boothroyd was meticulous. It, when we got to pre-season training on July the 1st, he could tell us what our training session was going to be on March the 12th the following year. You know, he had it all mapped out, the intensity, blah, 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 blah. Everything was scientific. Coyley came in and it was, it was just about fun. He just wanted everyone to come to work and have a smile on the face. And he loved scoring goals himself. So all we did in training was small-sided games and crossing and shooting. And if you didn't pass to the gaffer or you didn't cross a suitable go- uh, ball that he could score off, you got coated. <laughs> <laughs> but we he's, like a bit, he's like the guy off Kez, isn't he? Like yeah, the, yeah, yeah that, Charlton, I'm Charlton. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you today, gaffer? He was always Owen Coyle. <laughs> but we used to do it. We'd do small-sided games for boxes of Krispy Kremes and we, we'd do crossing and shooting for crates of Iron Brew. Because he didn't drink the gaffer, so if you lost either of those, the day before the game, you had to bring in four dozen Krispy Kremes and a crate of Iron Brew and all the fizzy pop. (coughs) We were absolutely buzzing. (laughs) It's the heaviest I've ever been in my career. Sugar rush. I was was over 16 stone. Uh, We were the fattest squad ever, but we were happy. We were happy. See, we lads, happy. You know what you keep saying to me? Hey, you fancy losing a bit of timber? <laughs> no. I'm big, but I'm happy. He's <laughs> not fat, it's power. It was all about togetherness, enjoy it. We had loads of family days, so that's the closest I've ever gotten to a squad on a, fa- on a family basis. But Burnley was the happiest time in my career, by a country mile. By a country mile. Really enjoying my football. Do you think it'd have been that way if you'd not been as successful? Do you think it'd have still it'd have still been the best time of year? Because obviously, success successful times are going to be a little bit more. They're synonymous, aren't they? Definitely with, with your happiest times. Um, if we hadn't have been as successful, no, it wouldn't have been all the as best memorable. That you've ever seen. Yes, yeah. All these <laughs> all things up, feed into it. All these things feed into it. You know, I don't think you can isolate one bit that says that's why it was the best. But all the different parts of it, you know, were good, mm. uh, and we were enjoying it, and we were successful. Uh, we had Robbie Blake, <laughs> Robbie Blake, and Chris Eagles in the same squad. Mate, oh gosh, it, there was never a dry eye in the house. You know, <laughs> on, on overnights and everything. Oh, they were just ridiculous. Brilliant, Blake. Never had so much fun in all my life. He's been saying he's going to come on here for a a year, by the way. Has he? You know how unreliable he is. Do we? (laughs) Do we? Oh, my goodness. But he'd be good value. Value? You could do a box set on Blakey, (laughs) I'm telling you, and it would be worth it. He's he's a brilliant guy. and Gaffer used to call him a wee magician. And we used to call him a wee ball bag. <laughs> but he's, uh, yeah, his quality is Bob. So oh, did you never think you'd be, be going back to the Premier League then once? Uh, no, definitely not. Um, so put a bag of them Krispy Kremes away. Yeah, we're, we're just in it. We're, we're in it for enjoyment. We're having a decent season. But, uh, yeah, we're, we were just having good fun, really enjoying it. And then and the results and, just kept coming. And then Wembley, mate. Wembley, 90,000 people. Awesome. What a day. Best it, day of your career? Uh, yes. Yes, because I was wholly present. I was fit. Uh, my life was calm. The, the, you know, the disruptive behaviour was still happening, but it was infrequent. 
think if you talk to my ex-wife, she was saying uh, she, she knew things were calm, but she always lived in a state of, what you know, when's it going to happen? Yeah. You know, what's going to happen yeah, next? What and when? Which must have been a horrible existence for her, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but to me, from where I was in, things were good. I was playing football. Uh, and I know I was in the zone that game because I can't remember any of it. I remember going out the tunnel and the big fire thing went off and it was so hot. I felt like a, a puddle of dairy milk <laughs> on the carpet being introduced to being introduced to his royal highness. Uh, and then, I, that's it, mate. I can't remember. I remember kicking uh, Greg Halford in the back. Uh, <laughs> we, we went up for a header and he's a little nemesis of mine, he's Greg, Greg. He's very good aerially. And when a winger comes off the line and heads across you, oh, it's horrible as a centre-half. But I was coming towards him and he was coming out of the shadow into the sunlight. And for some reason, I don't know why, your, your mind works really fast in, 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 in the game, doesn't it? I thought, I can have him here. No one's going to notice. Mate, I jumped, I just hoid him straight in his back. <laughs> I headed the ball, but you know, I absolutely mullered him. Uh, it wasn't even a free kick or anything. There were, no one saw it because of the transition from dark to light. And I was really proud. <laughs> I was really <laughs> proud. Of I was proud of my scientific mind <laughs> <laughs> for, for knowing that this was this was possible. <laughs> and, uh, the thing is, he deserved it, by the way, because he knocked us out in the semi-final with a, with a header. Coming oh, across the shoulder wow. of the centre half. Yeah. Bastard. So you're very lucky because we'd have beat you. We'd have beat you. Do you think you'd have had us? Yeah, with a toy in your arsehole. <laughs> it's, it's, it's quite possible. It's quite possible. No, is that, is that, was that the year, was it? Yeah. In fact, no, you wouldn't have beat us because that we weren't getting beat that year. No. No, when we, when we got to Wembley, it, we were going to win. Everything about it. I mean, we stayed. Owen Coyle was uh, uh, such a what do you call it? Was someone's like superstitious? He's so superstitious. We stayed at the same hotel, the Black Bull, uh, because we went to Chelsea and won there on penalties in the League Cup. Any time we came to London, bang Black that Bull. hotel, bang that hotel. Worst hotel <laughs> ever. Somewhere near Rickmansworth, I think it is. And uh, but we we were there and, and we came down ready for Wembley. Stayed there. Uh, Stephen Thompson, have you have you interviewed him on this? No. We're... Get Stephen Thompson. Oh my <laughs> lord, you will have a podcast. I can't remember him. You're not Scottish striker. Welsh. He does a Scottish uh, Welsh. 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 <laughs> Scottish Welsh in the same Scottish the same international Cardiff. Yeah, that's what I think. Oh, that's yeah. why. Yeah, yeah. dark hair. That's yeah. that's your wanker, mate. It's fucking half nine at night, mate. I'm mean, just <laughs> track of dawn. Wanker, wanker. Who's, who's dawn? <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> no, he, mate. He can tell a story. He's a master, master storyteller. But anyhow, he used to take his guitar everywhere overnight trips, and we just sat there the night before. Everyone had one pint. He, he was playing his guitar, just all calm. We were going to win that day. It, it, it was written and then I got MOM got man at match yeah my dad picked it but that's irrelevant <laughs> <laughs> and I got MOM and, and it was incredible it was incredible I remember sitting uh, under when you come out the dressing rooms in, in Wembley and the coach comes and picks you up doesn't it underneath yeah, the stadium it's mad, it's mad how you, it gets ran really. yeah so I, I, I remember sitting on in this driveway underneath the stadium in between two bins 
sat on the floor smoking a Marlboro menthol with my man of the match <laughs> trophy. I, I think it, you've done it. <laughs> you've done it. You deserve one of Marlboro's finest. <laughs> I think I think you de- I think you deserve one of them fucking cigars we have called. One of Marlboro's finest. <laughs> with my man of the match trophy. It's brilliant mate. I love it. You smoke all the way for your career. I did, yeah, and I'm not proud of it. I've got to say, you know, I, I do reference it um, because it is fact. But I, it's one of the perils of growing up in a in a council estate. You know, I was 11 years old when I had my first cigarette, and uh, stuck with me ever since. You know, hiding it from the manager all the way for your career. Up until um, Watford. Up until Watford with AD, uh, and AD obviously knew I smoked because. We've been we going really, on the town yeah, at Leeds, yeah. you know. So he, he said, you know, as long as you don't do it on club duty or, or when you're representing the club, you know, it, it is what it is. I was like, okay. And then after that, I think I felt like I was a man, yep. you know, 28 years of age. And I remember when I signed for North End, um, I know this is skipping a bit, but Phil Brown was a gaffer Ooh. and he got sacked, didn't he? And Graham Wesley came in. Now, do you know, I said I've never met such a disrespectful person than Kevin Blackwell. Well, I had then. <laughs> Graham Wesley is an incredible human being. I played for, I played, I played for him for six weeks Mate, at Newport. Six weeks. He's an incredible, an incredible human, human being. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. How to describe I, him? I can't describe him. <laughs> I can't describe him. Um, <laughs> I stood outside Preston train station. I used to get the train up from London. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure if it was each day or a couple of times a week. And uh, I was just having a, a tab outside the station. Uh, and he crept up behind me and he went, no wonder you can't fucking run. Pardon <laughs> <laughs> oh, me. <mate. laughs> so what? <laughs> oh, cheers, Gaffer. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Nothing wow. else? No, that was it. And he, just he went and got, got in his Aston Martin. Boom, off the train. <laughs> cheers, Gaffer. It was the meetings. Did, did, you, did you have to put your hand up one time? His, in his first meeting, his first meeting, Invincibles Lounge, is it, at North End? Uh, Greza and Unzi had taken over after after Phil Brown. And uh, we'd been told that we had to, this was match day. And uh, we'd come to the ground, uh, everyone was about to get ready to <laughs> get changed for the game. And uh, they said, right, you need to go over to Invincibles, go and have a quick meeting. We go over there and uh, the new manager comes in and he, he strolls through with his number two. What's the guy called? Dino Mamaria. Dino Mamaris. Mamaris? Mamaria. He had some Mamaris to be fair. He's a fucking big chest on him. Yeah, he's huge yeah. as a unit. He's a gaffer now, isn't he? Old Dino. Yeah. Uh, so Dino and Graham Wesley came in and um, he stood at the front. I was like, oh, you, you, if you know me, blah, 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 blah. And he said, yeah. My kids call me medal winner. <laughs> straight away. Like, straight away. I saw Greza sick in his own mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, you've got, you've got a room with, with, with David Unsworth, Graham Alexander, Neil, uh, Neil Meller, Ian Hume, uh, uh, m- myself. Uh, uh, and this guy had won the conference North and South <laughs> and, and comes in and tells us his kids call him medal winner. <laughs> I'd be like, it'd be like me, me seven-year-old saying, "Dad, forget your man of the match. I won the sack race." <laughs> <laughs> you know, 
Yeah, are you kidding me? My kids call me medal winner. Is that before or after they call you a canub? <laughs> but he went on into this massive spiel about blah, 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 this, that, and he's done this in business, and he drives an Aston Martin. I said, Gaffer, it's all well and good. We've got a game to play. Can we go and get ready? Um, that's what I said, no matter what other people say that I said. I didn't tell him to shut up or anything like that. <laughs> but we were. Yeah, you'd have been within your rights to, but. We're, we're an hour and ten minutes before the game, and he's coming <laughs> telling us how he's going to change the future. Mate, yeah, you're going to make me injured in this game because I can't walk. How did he react to that? Um, the, yeah, the meeting was instantly curtailed. He, he just went, oh, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, you're right, okay, uh, go on off to work and, and we'll talk about this Monday. Well, talk about it. I don't want to talk about anything. Oh. No, but it, it was another man who um, I, I, I didn't get on with his style, but I thought he also w- was disrespectful to people. I thought he was very patronising. Yeah. And he brought an attitude from the business world and wanted to transpose it into the football world. And I can, I can see that as an ideal. But when he came in and was trying to tell someone like myself Season or Greza who'd been playing for 15, 20 years that I, he, he said to me I want you to go outside of your fullback I, I said when on God's good earth will I ever be outside of my fullback defending that exposes the whole of the goal I, the, <laughs> oh, this half of the box and, the, uh, and he's like you, you just you know one singer one song this is what oh, I want no. from you this is what you do <clears throat> I was like, well, look, Gaffer, you're going to have to get on my case because it's ingrained in me to be alongside my centre-half, inside my full-back and, and, and defending this position. If that's what you want, I will try and deliver it for you, but it's not going to come automatically yeah. for me. Yeah, but anyhow, Graham Wesley. Oh, have you got any other, any other examples on we, we'd have being de- an incredible human being? We'd have debriefs <laughs> immediately after the game in our kit. So we come in after the game... And we would have a meeting for an hour and a half about said game. And he would go through stats, he'd put pie charts up and he'd start drawing this, that and the other. He'd be expecting you to analyse everything that you've done when you're catching pneumonia in your stinking kit and you're emotionally charged for whatever that game brought. And you're shattered. You know, his his post-match interviews are inane and dull because everyone's fucked (laughs) you've run your nuts off for 90 minutes and you're not capable of coherent thought you know for a prolonged period so to expect you to sit there for 90 minutes and analyse what's gone before when you haven't even had time to take it all in yourself gaffer I'm freezing and I'm starving you know, let, let me get clean, replenish my energy, and we can talk about this on Monday. What about his training, by the way? His training was obscene. Obscene. Uh, four sessions a day? Yeah. Yeah. It's, everyone else works nine to five, so, why you know, you? What, what, why, why shouldn't you? I'm not, I'm not saying that, that we're special and different and we shouldn't work nine to five. I'm saying that working sensibly during the week with a focus to us being at our physical peak at Saturday come three o'clock is a very different thing to try and mm. take liberties during the week. Game you know? day game day was a rest day. That was, that was yeah, rest day. It's very that was the easiest day of the week, game day. Match day. Is he still is he in football? Nah, I don't know. I think that's him. I think that might I be I don't him. know. How did it end what, with you? What you what did him? it what did it for for me with Graham Wesley was <coughs> because he had this ethos of we work nine to five we'd gone from the training ground back to the ground and it was four o'clock 
and because it was four o'clock, he made us go out onto the pitch and do sit-ups and press-ups until five o'clock, which is just work. That's just for work's sake. Yeah. You know that that was just for him to try and make a point or something, and it's like no, we've done our four sessions just because you've miscalculated your time gaps. You know you don't punish us for it not yeah. being five o'clock, and and I think he, he lost a lot of guys at, at that point. Were you disappointed when I'm just jumping back? Um, when Owen Coyle left, yeah, I was. I was because it was halfway through the season, yeah. and, and um, we we'd started all right. Uh, we were going through a bit of a tricky patch over Christmas, but I I think if he'd have stayed, we'd, we'd have come through it. You know, yeah. we'd have gotten enough points. I think we well, we needed some like three or four more points to stay up. If that is this in the prep. Yeah, 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 and he he left in was it December or January? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah, well, the next big thing, weren't he? Yeah, yeah. the next big manager. Yeah, he went to Bolton, didn't he? Yeah. Um, and yeah, I was really upset. I was upset because we were talking about a new contract as well, and he left before I'd signed that, so that was that out the window. That meant that I was gonna have to impress the new manager. Yeah. To to gain a, a contract, and the new manager came in. And it was Brian Laws. And um, you oh, know he's that? he's got a he's got a brilliant record and a history, but it was very underwhelming for us. You know, we kind of figured that there might be a, a serious name person wanting to yeah, yeah. take just on been this sacked project. From Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah, he'd just been sat from Sheffield Wednesday. Um, Someone to bring a bit more of a spark. Yeah, uh, bless you, he's a lovely guy, but he he, he hasn't got a spark. He's not. He's not a charismatic person. Right? <laughs> he's dull as dishwater. He, he's, he, you know, he's a quiet guy. You know, when 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 you're heading down to Cardiff and the match gets called off halfway there because uh, of snow, and you say to the gaffer, "Right, gaffer, we'll drop you. We'll drop you off here at services. You get a taxi back. We're going to take this bus to Nottingham and have our Christmas do." And he says, "Oh, all right. Cheers, guys." <laughs> <laughs> Are you calling the cab? No, you call it. Let us know how much. Let us know. Let us know how much it were Tuesday, weren't you, Brian? And we did that, and we said we're going to take Monday off as well. Okay, yeah. So, yeah right, we'll see you Tuesday. All right, guys, have a good time. Thanks, Brian. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Brian. <laughs> oh, so, it was, as you say, it was very underwhelming and not an inspirational managerial choice. No, you, you know, as players. first impressions are huge, aren't they? You know, and when I think we were kind of because we'd expected a big name and it had been Brian, who's kind of middle bracket. It'd be like if you if you're expecting to sign a decent centre half and you sign me <laughs> as a as a fan, you know, in, it's in that level. You'd be like, oh. Okay, right. So he's done all right here, but yeah. what the fuck, you know, what's he going to do? Um, he came in and that first impression, he said, right, guys, I'm a 4-4-2 man, but you play 4-3-3, so let's see how it goes. Let's give it a whirl. Oh, okay. Lads, lads, let's get as much of the calories going down. <laughs> So, yeah, we kind of just meandered through the rest of that season. Uh, Russ Wilcox was his number two. Uh, Russ was a good guy as well, you know. Again, I can't fault them two as men. Uh, I just think they were a bit underwhelming and, and, and didn't have what we needed at that time, which I couldn't tell you what it was that we yeah. needed. I think we were just deflated from the loss of Coily. 
Um, oh, Stuart Gray was one of his coaches. Have you come up no. Stuart Gray in your time? Oh, awesome guy, awesome guy. And uh, he put on some quality session, and he said, uh, "I'll just do a just do a demo for you." It it back 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 off the wall, whipped it in the top bin, and I seen one of the young lads look at him, and he went, "Stuart Gray, Google me." <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, yes, I've got a lot of time for that. Stuart Gray, Google me. <laughs> oh, brilliant! Yeah, but he's uh, he was a very good coach, Stuart, a very good coach and a, and a good man. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Brian Laws got sacked and Eddie Howe came in and um, we, we were all buzzing off this you know because he'd done a fantastic job at Bournemouth and uh, and he came in and he did it the right way Eddie he came in he, he put his formation on the side and his expectations and then stepped back and assessed what people were giving for maybe a two three month period and then it was from then he made his changes uh, but the 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 flip side to that was his changes were he wanted a younger squad, uh, and he um, <laughs> he didn't really communicate honestly to you. So to the, to the old lads as a player, wanted. yeah. So you know we'd had, again we'd had conversations about a new contract. I was captain for a period, and then all of a sudden I dropped out of the side. Uh, towards the last three games of the season, and then at the end of the season, he's uh, Clark. Uh, you know, but, uh, you don't need to come back in pre-season. You find yourself another club. Poor mate, that broke me in heart. That did it broke me. Broke me. He, in he must have got rid of a few because you did have a, a, a an older, experienced squad then, didn't you? you had yourself, Alexander. It seemed like anyone over the age of thirty mm. was going. Um, the the only people who stayed who were over thirty. In fact, there's only one. Was Michael Duff. Uh, and he he stayed, and I think he took over the armband. No, Jason Shackle took the armband, uh, but Duffo went on to the coaching staff, mm-hmm. didn't he? Um, so yeah, he called everyone thirty and over, uh, and started to bring all the younger players in and through, and and that's you know that's the way he wants to go. That's mm-hmm. awesome, but again, you don't know. You know, we we're talking earlier about you don't know how someone's going to take something. I've got no qualms with someone uh, having. A, an opinion about my professional ability you know if you say Clark, I don't think you're any good because you can't ping a ball 20 yards you can't ping a ball 50 yards you know and I'd be like okay you know you obviously rate that what really hurt me was he said I don't want you to come back in for pre-season you know you, you just you don't come back in you know to find you yourself got, another club were you were you contract up uh, no I had another uh, another year still had another year left Jeez. and and that hurt me because that was almost as though he'd assessed me as a man and didn't want me around his squad. Yeah. And, and I took, 
Mm. I took that to heart. That's what I took for it. It might not be what he intended. In fact, I've no doubts it's not what he intended. He might have thought he was doing me a favour, saying, you know, you're not tied to us now. You know, go and find yourself a club. What I heard was, you're a horrible man. I don't want you around my squad. And it it broke broke my brain in two, mate. And and that was the, the beginning of my descent psychologically. I didn't recover from that. Really? Uh, yeah, that's the beginning of my descent into an episode. Uh, so but, Eddie, Eddie, like as daft as he might have thought, I'm I'm being all right with him. Yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm doing him. A massive I'm doing him. A ma- right, I'm letting him leave the club for free. Mm-hmm. Go and get your sensor to that. But it's just totally had the flip effect. Yeah. Which, it's just it, it's fucking it's incredible, isn't it? When you think about it's incredible. it, incredible. Eddie Howe sat there. He thought right. He's 31, 32? Uh, 31. 31. He's an old experience player. I'm not going to get him in pre-season, take the piss out of him. Mm. Playing at Bamber Bridge and whatever. Yeah. Clitheroe, whatever fucking Burnley player the pre-season. He thought he's doing right by you, I yeah. imagine. I, I would hope so, yeah. And it's just totally had the fucking... And it's had the opposite effect. The, and, huh. all, yeah, all, it would have only taken a reason, wouldn't it? Yeah. I want to go younger. You're not what I'm looking for. I want a bit of legs at the back. Even if you blow Five, smoke up, even if you're blowing smoke up your ass to a certain extent, right, fair enough. Right. I, I think on reflection, it, it doesn't. It could have been anyone, and it doesn't matter what they said. I think because I hadn't managed myself and I hadn't sorted where I was at from what had happened back in 2001 and the way that I've been living from then, it could have been anything mm. at that point. Mm. I think it just so happens. That that was the the point that precipitated my downfall. Yeah, looking for the excuse again, maybe. Uh, maybe, yeah, or just something to bring it all to the fore, you know. And that was the beginning of it. Phil you Brown, you've been pretty solid to that point. No, from... I've been I've been up and down. I've been repeatedly up and down every three or four months. No major dips in terms of like I, I was never suicidal yeah. from two thousand and one until two thousand and thirteen, but behaviorally. You know, I was still having random explosions every three or four months. Yeah. When you say explosions, what, just personal... Just two, two, two three-day drinking benders, yeah. you know, uh, two, two three-day gambling benders, um, <clears throat> sleeping, just sleeping for two days, three days, not getting out of bed. Um, and not giving a fuck about what the club were, or the manager were thinking? Absolutely zero. Not answering my phone, emails, nothing. Just totally going off the radar. So you effectively you just go missing for three days. Yes. And then I'd resurface and I'd apologise and then I'd strive to make amends. And that's my the whole cycle of my life. Fuck up. Feel sorry. Totally redeem myself. Fuck up. Sorry. Redeem myself. That circle of redemption is how I've lived my entire life. Up until about three or four years ago. Mm. So when you left, when that conversation with Eddie Howe, yeah, how quick was the the downhill slope? Um, it wasn't. It wasn't immediate because the, there are certain things that like kind of give you a little boost, and one of them was coming to Preston. You know, Phil Brown did blow smoke up my ass, and <laughs> I went there. Football can cover a multitude of, of, of things, can't it? And I went there, and I was feeling good. Uh, I felt like. I, I felt like I, I was actually better than League One, 
it was the first time in my life I didn't feel like I had to prove myself. Yeah. You know, and even <laughs> though at Burnley I felt like I didn't have to prove myself to Cots, I still had to prove myself on the pitch, you know, in the, the championship and yeah. the Premier League. But when I came to Preston, I thought, no, I'm, I'm good enough for this. So, so you not, not actually when, when you not actually got the the financial worry because you the worst case scenario, you've still got a year's pay from Burnley. Yeah. So you've not got that financial worry. Not yet, no. <clears throat> for at least another twelve months. Twelve months. Or forty months if it's the, the yeah. end of the season. On loan to Preston with Brownie, seven game winning streak. Uh, we're flying high. We get beat one nil at Leighton Orient, and then he has us in the next day running the stands. <laughs> <laughs> running you, up every stairwell in the stand. I told you, we, we couldn't, we couldn't fathom it. You know, if you're on a seven-game losing streak, yeah, punish us. But we're we were on a seven-game winning streak, and everyone was loving it. And then he did that, and we got two injuries. I think Mel's got injured doing it. Uh, who, who else? Might have been Morgs. Uh, but anyhow, it was just a, a random thing for him to do, really random. And I liked him, and I know you don't like him. I like Phil Brown, you know. He was um, he was full of hot air, but his hot air was always aspirational. You know, he's always yeah, it pie in the sky stuff, wasn't yeah. it? You know, he's always like, right, I'm going to take you lot, and we're going to get 147 points. And, <laughs> and, 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 you know, if, if you can get enough people to buy into a pie in the sky dream, you can make it happen. Yeah. So I got there, and I was like, all right, you can only get, you can only get 138. <laughs> I was like, I'll run with this. You, you know, them maths, by the way, aren't you? Yeah, hey, very good, yeah, mate. Yeah, very good. <laughs> very good. <laughs> I was playing snooker. <laughs> um, yeah, and I was enjoying it, and the sessions were good, and they they were they were heavy, you know, mm. a bit intense, the weight sessions and that, but but it was good. And then all of a sudden, he just burst a balloon. And that's how quick you can lose right. a dressing room. Yeah, mm. one fucking stupid petulant. The like, get him in tomorrow. Mm. Then when you said that, you've got to stick to that, mm-hmm. or you look weak. And then when you do, and then, and you're doing what, yeah. running fucking stands and stuff. You know, it's bollocks, isn't it? You know what I mean, like. Even from a scientific point of view, you shouldn't be running the next day after the game. Yeah, it's a strange one, that. Yeah, DOMS, delayed uh, of muscle soreness. Delayed onset of muscle soreness, is that what it is? DOMS, yeah. Yeah, preach. Preach, brother. <laughs> <laughs> he'll, want you, he'll want you to do it right. He'll, he'll want you to do everything professionally and all that sort of stuff. And then the day after the game, he's got you running up and down fucking stands. It's a bit ridiculous. It gets interesting this now. Brownie's just gone for a piss. <laughs> <laughs> right, here we go. When I played against Mario. <laughs> <laughs> go on then. What do you really think of him? <laughs> <laughs> so she so just lost it. He just lost you from then? Uh, yeah. Uh, it, it, well, I'm, I'm not sure what went wrong. We only lost a couple of games. And then it was almost like the, the, the wheels fell off. Mm. Not just him, but him and Nobby as well. Nobby was his number two. Um, I don't remember. <laughs> it was at Leighton Orient. He was trying to give us a, a, a dressing down. Nobby was. He was He's shouting. horrible, man, isn't he? He, right, he, right, could, be very, he could be very aggressive. And, uh, he led on the kit skip and it was open. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's not even the best thing that ever happened, right? We were away at Wolves. I was at Burnley with Owen Coyle. We were away at Wolves. And in the first uh, first half, we had an absolute shocker. I was shocking personally. I think we were 2-0 down. Uh, Kevin Doyle had an absolute blinder. And uh, we come in at half-time and Coyle is absolutely raging. And he goes, you, 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 you fuck. And his teeth fell out. 
<laughs> and caught his teeth in his hand away. <laughs> <laughs> Put him back in his mouth. He didn't know what to do. All of us were like, he's doing fuck off out. <laughs> we went straight back out, all of us howling. I think we drew the game in the end, but oh gosh. His teeth fell out. It's a good job we got promoted. He got screwings put in. That can't happen again, love. Yeah. So anyhow, Phil Brown lost the dressing room. Uh, he gets sacked. Graham Wesley comes in. Um, I lasted a month with him. He didn't want me there anyway because uh, I think Preston were paying half my wages, to uh, and Burnley were paying the other half, and he wanted to get me out as quickly as possible. And the the bit that really annoyed me was I'd had an agreement with Phil Brown that at the end of the loan I'd have a two year contract at North End, but he just tore all that up. You know, he's like, no, that, that contract's not with me. Blah, 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 I'm the manager. Boom, boom, ripped it up, done. So, uh, Burnley wouldn't have me back. So I went to A.D. Boothroyd, Northampton, went on loan to them. Uh, the first time I've been in the bottom tier of English football. And uh, So, Burnley must really not have wanted you back. Because mm. I can imagine Northampton could pay nowhere near half. No. No. In fact, Preston's agreement was such with Burnley that they were still paying their half for the rest of the year. Um, and Northampton only had to contribute, it wasn't even 10%. So Burnley only ended up paying 45%, Preston 50%, and Northampton 5% of my wages. So, <clears throat> so AD got an absolute bargain. Fucking yeah. hell, I couldn't believe his luck, could he? Yeah, went, went in and uh, relegation dogfight, uh, and we survived. And that, that was an experience as well. That was a quality. Some good lads down there met at Northampton. Would Crazy have been there then? No, 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 no. Uh, I think the next season, because having myself, you know, when you're on a free contract and everyone sells you the dream, they're like, yeah, a free transfer, you know, yeah. you can go wherever you like. <laughs> and I thought, yeah, do you know what? I'll be on a free now. I'm coming off. Uh, I'd just been on nine a week at Burnley. Um, and then I couldn't find a club. I was going to go on so to... So Northampton are paying £450? Yeah, for me. Preston are paying four and a half. Yeah. Um, You're just showing off now with the maths. Burnley... It's impressive though. <laughs> <laughs> and Burnley making up the rest, just over four, yeah. And then I, I'm out of contract, and the only offers I got were from uh, Burton and Northampton. Would Burton have been Rowett then? Gary Browett, yes Rowett. it was, yeah. And um, Burton were offering me £800 a week and uh, AD was offering me £1,200 a week, I think. And I thought, no, I'm not I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that, I'm going to retire. So I thought, oh, right, I'll retire then. So I retired for all the three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> they have a big, a big retirement party. No, 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 presents and balloons. retirement party. <laughs> I realised that we still had the house and mortgage and everything that we had before. And like I've said, I've been quite profligate with my wages, so I didn't have any savings. And as kids were in school, I was thinking, actually, Clark, you need to get as much football wages as you yeah. can and start stockpiling this. 
So I went on Soccer AM. <laughs> went on Soccer AM, I was like, yeah, I've not got a club. <laughs> Please somebody take me. Season starts today and I'm really lonely. <laughs> and uh, uh, Gary Mills called up from that and said, uh, you can come over to us. He said, we give you a grand a week and, and see what you can do. Good so, guy, any Millsy. He is, yeah. <laughs> well, anyhow, um, he didn't give me a, a full contract. He said, "Look, I'll, you know, I'll take you on for three months, uh, just see how you fit and you fit in." And I went down there, and I, I didn't know that he'd created a footballing team, hadn't he? Millsy loves football, yeah. proper football, playing out from the back and everything. Mate, I can't pass the ball. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> got, got the wrong Carlisle, can We get there in League Two and, and they're trying to bowl, like, uh, Ingy's bowling the ball out to me and the AJR box. I'm like, I don't fucking want this. <laughs> <laughs> Just giving it away and conceding goals. And I'm like, wow, I can't even play in League Two. I am rubbish. <laughs> Uh, uh, Millsy was like, "No, I think we're, yeah, I think we're done here after, after three, three months." months. Yeah, um, and uh, it was fortunate for me that by that time, Aidy had been back on the phone, uh, and Aidy said, "I really need you to come down here, and and I'm going to build this team around you." So, like, oh, thank God for that. So, um, <laughs> right, we used to play Mario Kart on the bus. Yeah, and, I've, uh, been, I've been told to ask you about this. Oh. I never had you down as a Mario Kart man, I'll be honest. Mate, I'm a gamer uh, to the extreme. I would have thought you'd have just been sat reading the dictionary or <laughs> something like that, or a thesaurus. Or... Like I said, if there's a competition, mate, I've got to be the best. And we're on the bus. Mario Kart on the DS, I will not be beaten <laughs> until Chris Eagles came alongside, and then that was intense. <laughs> we're the only two people who can dodge a blue shell. <laughs> on the bus I think Robbie Blake learnt in the end but you know we're, we're the kings. This, this is above my head yeah. this, this, this is above my pay grade this the blue shell oh, I brought it to York I was like come on let everyone on the DS let's play Mario Kart blah 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 blah. and when you do play multiplayer you put your name in obviously it comes up on everyone else's screen so we used to have a, a bit of banter with it you know what my banter is so like who's your mum and I'd be like <laughs> <laughs> well, that was my name my name was your mum <laughs> like oh just been shot by your mum <laughs> oh your mum's just smashed me up the ass <laughs> oh obviously that was the big kid in me and then we went and played the game I think it was away at Port Vale and uh, I was starting before we went there but then I had a word with, with Gary uh, and we talked about whether I was going to leave I said go to Northampton and I didn't play in the game. So I was like, oh, what's going on here? And then we got on the bus after the meeting and I changed my name. Uh, one at lads shouted out, who's Ofsky? So I was off, off down to Northampton and uh, we had it. We got to play our final, didn't we? And uh, we got to play our final against Bradford. We had a great season. Um, overachieved, I would say, but it was Aidy's meticulous stuff that, that got us there. And my last game of professional football was a playoff final. I had um, for the that season. I was having anaesthetics in my in my ankles to play the games. And and for the playoff final, I had one in both ankles, uh, and this right ankle was strapped at a right angle. So I was basically playing with gout. <laughs> and I got through the game and the pain afterwards, because I, I still had another year left at Northampton. 
And my body was messed, mate. It was effed. You you're know, ready, you're was, actually, your body were ready. Body was done. I was getting home, couldn't play with the kids. You know, I'm seizing up and stuff. And I said, hey, dear, I'm, I'm done. You know, I'm done now. He said, I'm glad you said that because uh, I only really wanted to keep you if we got promoted. So, okay. So, uh, you know, we ripped up that last year and I, and I retired. So you, so you ripped up another year, another year's contract? Yeah. Yeah, we just, mutual agreement, just cancelled the contract. And I was able to do that, let me put that in some perspective, because I've been working with ITV. I've been doing a lot of TV work, uh, uh, just across all the stations, really, doing punditry and comms. But ITV offered me a job as a co-commentator with Sam Matterface. And they said, if you come on board now, uh, we can give you a full year with Sam, and then we'll send you to Brazil as uh, as the B team behind Clive and Andy to to do the commentary, so, soften the blow a little bit. Yeah. It did, mate. It did. Not only did it soften the blow, I was on twice the the yeah. amount that I, I was on at Northampton Town. So you're willing, you know. You're so willing it to... really did. Bri- it bridged a gap mm. for us, and it gave me a bit of a focus. Yeah, yeah. that was good. That. How long was the? So, so with the between, did you not miss the football at all then? Was was the problems immediately after he retired? In terms of missing it, not having that. Um, when you said at the beginning, football masked it. Yeah. You didn't have that masking agent. Yeah. I, I I felt it um, really quite straight away. I've got to be honest. Um, Even though you knew that physically, I can't do it. it Especially because physically I can't do it, mate. Because my brain could. Yeah. My brain was the best footballer it had ever been. Uh, and because my body couldn't do it, uh, and there was still some kind of opportunity for me to go out and play, I was quite down on myself for that. Mm. You know? Um, but, but more than that, it's, it's what you were talking about earlier, you know? Just being in amongst the lads, having that banter on a daily basis. Um, keeping yourself physically fit because you have to on a daily basis. There's a lot to be said for you know all the endorphins and that that you create in that. Um, having that focus. What? Why am I not going to Burger King? Because I want to play on Saturday and I want to play in the Premier League. You know, it gives you that drive. It gives you the reason to be disciplined and, and make certain sacrifices. And then all of a sudden you wake up one day and yesterday. I had to be at the training ground for nine o'clock in my tracksuit to have breakfast, which was served to me, and then we'd go out and do this session, then we'd have lunch, which was served to me, and then we'd go out and do another session where I was told what I'm gonna do the next week, uh, or, or how I'm gonna play at the weekend, and then I'm told to go home, I'm sent home with energy drinks, with some kind of stretching guidance, and told when to go to bed. And then I go to bed and I do it all again. Mm. And then all of a sudden, today, Time you're getting up? I don't know. What are, you, what are you getting up for? I don't know. Why should you get up? I don't know. Do you want, do you want a burger? I don't know. Why not? Do you want a beer? Why? Why not? Yeah. You know, the, the structure is just totally gone. Yeah. The focus is gone. And even though I did go into commentary, uh, I, I was only working some 42 days a year. You know, so if you get a day's travelling with that... Well, I've still got another 323 to it, get through. <laughs> you know, and, and in that... It's the lull is huge. Mm. The lull is huge. So that non-football life, the sedentary life, 
is, isn't comparable to a football life because the highs and lows are, are huge in football. And if you're trying to emulate them in, in a normal sedentary life, you're going to start pushing your behaviours to silly points. Mm. You know, because normal <laughs> life is more like this. With maybe a life, uh, you know, it, uh, issue that happens that spikes it. Football, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, sends you up here, down yeah. there, up here, down there. Even on a daily basis when you're training. Like one day I'm training with a bib, the next day I'm training without a bib. I'm like, oh, uh, does that mean I'm in the squad? Does that mean I'm going to be playing? Does yeah. it not? You know, all of this is going on. And then all of a sudden you're just like, ah, fish out of water, no to do. Yeah. Even though I planned for it, even though I got a job, even though I'd bridged some kind of financial divide, that, that loss, mate, was huge. Mm. Is that when the drinking got... Because you, you say, I, I need to do something. It's, yeah. it, it's not always the drink. It's, I need to do something, whether it's gambling. Could you feel that just getting worse and worse? Uh, I would have... I, I Still, again, it was probably only every three or four months that I would have a big binge. And usually, over the last three years of my career and into the commentary, it would be gambling because I had the association of drink and being bad. And I, I had the knowledge that in drink, I make bad life choices. And I didn't want to do that. So I had the power to, mm. to make a choice of how I was going to splurge. And it was, it was going to be usually gambling. And that had financial consequences sometimes. Sometimes it didn't. But that wasn't the reason that I did it. Mm. You know, I, I was... I was doing it for other reasons, yeah. um, but again, it, it would it would come and go in bouts. You know, it's not as though I was on it twenty four seven for seven months. Mm. It wasn't like that. I would I would do it, and then and then I wouldn't, and I'd choose not to, and then all of a sudden it would come back, and then ah, boom boom. I know why now, but I didn't know why then. <laughs> so. Um, it's because I'm descending into this episode. So I go to Brazil with with ITV. Wonderful six weeks out there, but I'm a, I'm a sad, lonely man. Um, I cry. I've got a growth on my face, massive growth on my face. It was um, a cyst in my parotid gland, and I kept having it drained, and it would grow back bigger, and I'd have it drained, it grow you back bigger. You kept having in Brazil. Uh, no, while I was oh, here, oh. and then I had it drained once in Brazil, and it was massive. That didn't help with my self-esteem, having my mate Steve attached <laughs> <laughs> inside of me. Um, but when when I came back, mate, I, 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 my my head was just in that dark place it, where I couldn't be objective. I had no objectivity in my life. All I had was the thoughts in my head, and the thoughts in my head told me I was useless, waste of space, embarrassment to me kids. Uh, wife's ashamed to be with me she'll be financially better off if I'm dead the world would be right if I was dead and that was just running through my mind running through my mind uh, and like I said you know I'm an overthinker and I thought it through and if I was dead everyone else would be better off uh, and that was my solution so it wasn't as all that this was the ultimate escape this was me running away it wasn't, I thought it through, and logically, in my depression, I was like, yeah, death is the right answer. Everyone will be better. So, so a little bit like Eddie Howe, you're thinking by 
you uh, committing suicide, you're doing everybody else a, a favour. favour. Exactly, mate. How warped is that? Mm. that, How, that sorry, Clark. How was your relationship with your missus? Uh, relationship with the missus, um, it was... I don't want to use a disrespectful term. It, it was it was palatable. We were getting by. We were getting on. Through the motions. You know? Yeah. I would say we were going through the motions. I think in my head, I'd had many conversations with, with my brother and other people about um, how long I was going to be in that relationship for. You know, mm. and so I think it had an end time in my own mind. But that was that was largely within this warped focus that I had. Um, was it, was so, it, like you say, you put a time limit on it, but was it still a comfort? Because you're still there. Uh, well, that's a really good question. Was it a comfort? I don't think it was. I don't think it contributed because the fact that I was still there and in my head I thought I was a waste of space. I was doing further damage by being there, mm-hmm. you know. Um, especially, especially for my kids, they were the only reason I was still in the relationship. Yet they, they were the very reason why it, it was really impressed upon me that I, I needed to die. Mm-hmm. It's was, it was really quite a paradox. Mm-hmm. Outwardly, we're friends, next door neighbours, say a bit closer. Is that? Is it obvious? Not at all, mate. No, you're seeing whichever mask I'm showing to you. And if you're the neighbour, then I'm showing you the lovely, friendly, congenial neighbour mask and I'm taking your bins in. I'm saying, what a beautiful day. You know, how are you today? Uh, If I'm at work with with, uh, ITV, then I'm putting on the, yes, I've done my research, I'm very knowledgeable and I'm very articulate about football and I'm putting on that face. But when I get in my car and I'm driving back up... the A1 to London, uh, from London, and it's two o'clock in the morning, uh, and I'm turning my lights off, seeing how long I can drive in the dark, or I'm closing my eyes, seeing how long I can drive my eyes closed, or I'm thinking, do you know what, it'd be so easy for me to just whip this steering wheel and flip the car into this bridge. I'm passing laybys where the trucks pull over and think, that'd be a good one to drive into, that one wouldn't. You know, it's it's not having a passing thought that oh, I could might as well not be here. Everyone has those. When you have ideation, when you're thinking about it and you're planning it, that, that's that's a warning sign. But I didn't know that. I it's, didn't it's, know it's it at the time. In your head. It, it's it's in there and it's really strong at, at certain times. Sometimes there'll be something that distracts it, like work there'll be something that distracts it, like I'm going to do this with the kids and then you'll get a quiet moment where those thoughts just come straight back in and they call you a, th- a fraud for what you've just done with your kids. They call you a fraud for what you've just done at work. How can you pretend to be like that when really you're a fucking loser? Uh, uh, it's horrible, mate. My, my brain destroyed my brain. It's horrible. Mm. So when uh, when I came back from Brazil, uh, I'd, I'd come to the conclusion that I have to die. I was going to make sure that I wasn't going to fail because that's what I did last time. I failed. I didn't survive. I failed. Mm. 
and uh, and this time again you know the 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 way that it all closes in I, I put myself in front of a lorry 60 mile an hour with no thought to the fact that there's a guy driving that lorry you know beforehand i just viewed it as a killing machine i thought yeah that's perfect uh, and i've gone and done that and changed his life forever but i i can't think beyond my own black cloud when i'm in it uh, can you believe right i i think it's from playing against you so many times <laughs> <laughs> i got hit by a truck mate and i didn't break a single bone not a single bone 60 mile an hour hit by a big truck and and when people say how can you believe in god after all you've been through i'll say that's why mate that's mm -hmm. why yeah mm -hmm. uh, 60 miles an hour and if you if you put that into into a soap they'd say oh wouldn't happen yeah okay like too far-fetched exactly that. too far-fetched I, I woke up 10 seconds later side of the road and airlifted to leeds general and then uh operations for two days to to stitch me back together i wasn't no broken bones but bloody hell my body was split open and uh and then i got a psychiatric hospital and then the work begins mate so do you know <clears throat> do you know your first thought when you've woke up at the side of the road <clears throat> was that I, fuck me i failed again it was are you fucking kidding me i had clawed fingers like this and i saw the blood trickling down them are you fucking kidding me? Put me in an air ambulance and they'd wrap me up. I tried to stand up, tried to stand up and the guy was like, don't move, don't move. Wrap me up, put me in an air ambulance. And um, and the guy said, what's your name? I said, Clark Carlisle. Said, what year is it, 2013? I said, fucking hell. He said, what? I said, I haven't even got amnesia. <laughs> 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 True story. <laughs> and then I, I just... From then, I switched off. I didn't black out, but I switched off. And uh, these two guys were speaking to each other. And one of them said, uh, I think this guy's DOA. Uh, and I thought to myself, yeah, happy days. That's what, that's what I need. I thought, if I go to sleep, then hopefully I'll be DOA. Uh, but I wasn't. I wasn't, mate. Dead on arrival, is that? Yeah. I wasn't. Do you know when you... You're going on about you didn't succeed, you failed. Yeah. When you're having the good times after the first time with, with, with the tablets, did you still look back? And you say when you're at, at Watford and Burnley or whatever, did you yeah. still look back and think, I failed that? It was in the back of your head that you, you did want to die subconsciously. No, I don't think it was. You'd come through that. Yeah, I, I, I think, well, I don't think, I know that once that happened in 2001, I put it in a box never to be looked at again. So that actual incident, I don't think I've back referenced again. That it's just gone. Uh, I talked about it when I was in alcohol rehab because we thought it might be the reason why I started drinking. I talked about it in there for for those twenty eight days, but after that, mate, we just pretended like it never mm. happened. Okay, mm. right. Difficult question. Yeah, but I think it's you know good for people to hear is. You know when your wife and your daughter come in to see you after that, when you come round again? Yeah. How are you feeling then and how do you explain where you are? Uh, my ex-wife came in uh, when I was still in, um, oh, what's it called, critical, 
Intensive care. Intensive care, that's the one. Uh, She came in uh, and the first thing I said to her is, you have to leave me. And she said, what what are you talking about? I said, you have to leave me because I'm going to keep doing this. Um, uh, How did I feel? I felt disgusted, felt embarrassed, uh, felt ashamed. Um, And I said to her, you have to leave me while you can because I'm going to keep doing this. And that's how I felt. At that point. At that point. And and that's just it because just because I survived the suicide attempt, it doesn't mean that it's all over and I was fixed. I'm still in that psychological Mm -hmm. crisis. I'm still in that state of thinking those things. And uh, and now I feel even worse. (laughs) So there's no there's no coming round and thinking like you said, there's no snap out. I know there's not gonna be a permanent snap, but I thought there might be a, a small window of realization within that immediate no. resurrection, if you will. Mm. Not at all. Not at all. Um, I didn't start to think forward. I didn't start to think that I might actually stay alive for a bit until uh, after about a week to ten days in psychiatric hospital after I've been on medication for that that long. Really strong stuff as well. This is a, an NHS hospital, this is nothing to do with... No, it's a private hospital. Yeah. This one was a private hospital. First one I went to was a private one, funded by the PFA, which I'm so grateful for. Met a guy in there called Dr Beanie, who diagnosed me, um, gave me some fantastic care while I was in there. Um, and the difficulty about that was, that scenario, was once I was discharged from there, after I was in there for six weeks, excuse me, there wasn't really any aftercare. There wasn't any follow-on process. It was the bill's done. Now go out. You know you're out in the big wide world with this pamphlet that we've given you from the hospital. And so I'd started some work, but I, I, I did. It was dangerous because I knew nothing, but I thought I knew everything. Mm. So I come out of there thinking like you know everything's unky dory. Um, but I'll tell you a few things that I did change from there. Um, and this was where I, I, I was talking about the honesty. You know, I, I came out of there and I thought, if I'm going to be alive, I'm, I'm not carrying any of this stuff with me. I need to put where I am on the table and start being true to myself about who I am and what I feel. Got to get rid of this fraudulent feeling. Um, and I did. I started being honest with, with people around me. Um, and... You know, I was, I was back at home with my ex-wife for about two or three weeks and I said, look, I, I need to move out. I'm going to move out. I'm going to have this, you know, this period to see how and where we are. I, I'm only staying here to stay with our children and I don't think that's right. So I'm going to I'm going to move out. We'll see how it works. Uh, I'd only been out, out of the, the family home for, for about a week or two and I said, this is right. You know, I think we need to get a divorce. So we got divorced. Yeah. Did Did your ex-wife understand? Not wholly, no. Um, and how could I expect her to? Mm. I, I didn't understand, mate. Well, the, uh, do, you, do you think that there was somewhere in her mind a bit of a relief that I haven't got to keep thinking what's going to happen in three months. I'm... I, I can guarantee that, that that was part of her thinking. Mm. 
I, I, I can only imagine what she's gone through. Me doing what I did. Yeah. I, I, I can't, I can't tell you what her experience was. Can you imagine what I was like? Mm. I, I can't imagine what it is to find to hear that your spouse is, is you know, been hit by a truck, airlifted to hospital, they're in critical care, and, and then you find out they did it of their own volition, and and you don't have a a, a wider you know, grasp or understanding of, of, of why and how that's happened. I can't imagine what that's put her through, mate. And I'm, I'm incredibly apologetic for it. Do you get on okay and now? Uh, yeah. Yeah, we do. We, we, we're more than, um, than cordial, you know, we're respectful and we communicate. Um, we have two children to, to raise between us who we have to ensure that they are bulletproof <clears throat> in the context of, of their emotional status, you know. Mm. I remember seeing you, Clarkie, um, on a train in, in London. It was, yeah. it was not long after the fall. I think you'd, you'd been working, I think it was on the radio Arsenal or something, and the, the train was packed, and I've come down there, I think I'd just played a game, I think we played yeah. Charlton or something, and... You were playing your championship manager, yeah, <laughs> and you just give us a. Mark, I mean, like, bear in mind, we never played together. Yeah, I think we'd had a, a, a couple of drinks one time, um, but the hug that you give us, you know, it, he meant that. You know, like one of them is it? Yeah. And we we was literally speaking in the the carriageway of this train, packed train, and you, you, I felt like you just wanted to talk. You wanted to tell us kind of everything. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And it was, I don't know. I just wanted to sit with you, and but it was just wasn't the. It wasn't the time, was it? It, it wasn't mm. the time of the players. Mm. Nah, but I could, I could see it in you. Yeah, you know uh, that that was the the, the newfound zeal that that uh, <laughs> that starting to talk gave me. There's an incredible freedom when you start to communicate, mate. We were very. I was very frightened of other people's reactions to me being honest about how I yeah. feel, or, or or you know just honest about a circumstance or a situation. <laughs> what are they going to think? And then I've realised that, you know what, it's all right. People will listen or they won't if they don't want to. And that's all right. People will like you or they won't. But what it did for me was made me feel so authentic. You know, I, I, I was being honest and true and authentic. So if you did like me and want to talk to me, there's no doubt in my mind that it was because of me and who I am. And mate, it's liberating. Mm. Honestly, it's brilliant. Um, but I think you found the unbridled version <laughs> where yeah. I just wanted to tell everyone yeah. and help everyone and fix everyone and uh, it's taken me a while to understand that A, that's not possible and B, if that's your focus you usually let yourself go you know, is if you focus outward too much then are you maintaining your own well-being yeah, you, love, you, love your own. you know, but uh, yeah I, as you might have gathered, I do like to talk. <laughs> <laughs> How did that make you feel then? Because that must have been quite surreal. It was, yeah. It was. Um, and I, the, I think the conversation was mainly about championship manager. You talked <laughs> you talk us through your team and 1998, <laughs> every player you really like. It was just a, can't leave your fucking side yourself, you. <laughs> <laughs> and you put yourself on 15 grand a week. Captain as well, he made himself. Always <laughs> captain, mate. Always. But yeah, I, I just came away and I thought, you, you, you wanted to tell us everything. You wanted to almost tell us why. Just Is that part of the recovery? Uh, Is it part of the recovery? It's part of my recovery, yeah. 
because it there's no right or wrong that, no there isn't and this mm. is something that I, I well we always impress upon people there's no right or wrong answer there is no one size fits all way to your journey or, or coming through it or finding your solution you know my, my issues a lot of them stem from uh, daddy issues you know as a kid that's not going to be relevant to 99% of, of people or you know however many other people so that how that's manifested itself in, in my life um, about communicating about being honest about not pretending and not having to be the best that might have nothing to do with your life you know so it might be very different things that you need to what I need for me communicating being honest in that communication and not being concerned as to whether that person thinks you're the best thing since sliced bread mm. they're pivotal in my my recovery yeah so do you where, where are you at now now i'm well mate yeah and, and this is the amazing thing this is why i do still sometimes look back on on my career and think about oh what if the reason why i do that is i'm well now and what i've figured out is when i'm well Life can throw whatever it wants at me. Mm. And we we deal with it, we manage it, we manage it in a healthy way. I look back and I think, I dealt with what life was giving me in spite of dealing with it in a bad way and being unwell. You know, I dealt with it all in a destructive way. What I want to tell people is that I've been to death's door and now I'm here and I'm content and I'm happy and that's a thing. Yeah. That can happen, you know. It's not all doom and gloom. Mm -hmm. It didn't happen by accident. It's taken 18 months, you know, with therapy and me taking my meds and me engaging with the services. But when you do, recovery and wellness is inevitable. Mm -hmm. So now I can, I can work harder and longer than I ever did before. I can deal with so much more that's going on in my family's life, in my extended family's life, and sleep at night. Because I'm well, mate, and I'm doing things the right way for me. So do you, do you think that's going to be a, a constant for the rest of your life? I'd be very surprised. You if, know, sort of the, yeah. the, going, the therapy and all that. Do you, do you think it, you will have to just make, keep on top? An MOT, it's, basically. Is that, is that what that's you love it? Exactly, it, mate. It's an, it's an MOT on yourself. The thing is, is every um, week, two weeks, or whatever. It I is. know what my path is now. Uh, I know what my behaviours are, I know when I'm feeling good, I know when I'm starting to feel less than, I know what to do at this point instead of waiting until I get yeah. to disaster. So because of that, because I'm with my, with my wife now, we've both gone on this journey together of understanding, brought me parents in, my brother and sisters in, so they all understand my journey. I've got all these loved and trusted people who I have given permission to say, Clark, you know, it, you're not answering your phone at the moment, is everything all right? Yeah. And it's not a dig at me. It's like, do you know what? I've been really busy. World Mental Health Week, we're up and down the country, not a problem. And they're like, happy days. <laughs> and I'd be like, Clark, you're not answering the phone for two days. What, what have you been? I said, do you know what? Actually, I just couldn't be arsed speaking to you. <laughs> no, seriously. I, I, could, I, could, I, didn't, I didn't want to have that conversation. Why yeah. is that? I don't know. I think, I'm, I think I'm hiding a bit at the moment. I'm going to have a word we carry. You know, so it, it brings to my attention the fact that I might be feeling a little bit less than normal. But because of all this knowledge now, and because I have total faith in my therapist, in my meds, in the emergency system, I'm not scared. Hmm. 
I live my life, we manage our life, I look after myself, and I'm not scared if I start to get a little bit unwell, but I don't think I will, because we're aware of it now, we know what we're dealing with, we're doing the right things, I'm living a well life, mm. and I've not got anything that I'm running away from. No secrets, I've, no, I've dealt with. I've dealt with my motivations to run yeah. away. So That's if you and I were to go and have a pint now, mate, we could happily go and have a pint, uh, and you know, I'll pop off home. That's not a problem, and that's amazing for me. Uh, yeah. You know, I think it's important for people to hear that Definitely. as well. Yeah, you know, it, it's Definitely, it's not what you're doing; it's your motivation for doing it. Mm. Yeah. Wish you'd have told us this at start of fucking program. We might have <laughs> had a fucking pint on the table. Feels like feels like two pints. Been sat drinking, fucking sat drinking bastard water. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear but mate that was incredible yeah absolutely incredible we've not talked about golf can we just talk about golf for two minutes what are you like I'm terrible mate yeah. I'm absolutely <laughs> terrible Lonas has I'm, been in touch oh I'm woeful I've changed my, my style my swing about 15 times because I'm terrible you're left handed at golf is that, it's not because you're that bad is he? Or am I? What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, but playing with, with Lonners and Dave Lucas, who took me to Ashton and Leah, and I'm so delighted they did. Now, I've got a group of friends there who I can have a bit of dressing room style banter yeah. with. And it's necessary. You know, one thing I've realised is that all these different masks that I wore, they're all part of me. I've got yeah. them in there. Still you, need you, that yeah, you just share them at the appropriate time. You know, it's not being fraudulent, it's being appropriate. Yeah. And they're good lads who I can have decent banter with. Still not to the your mum, your missus level, but I'm, I'm getting there. If you want to put Lonna's off his golf game, just get on his mum, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> what, again? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Lonna's. Sorry, sorry. I love you, mate. I love you. <laughs> Just well, before we finish, um, <laughs> there's going to be a lot of people listen to this who mm. appreciate everything that you've said. And I know you do the corporate, the corporate stuff with we your do, wife. Is yeah. anything? Is any? Is there a website or any way you can get in touch with you? To- um, you know, the best way, uh, if it's for work, it, it's a, a lady called Mel Chapel, and she's got a company called I Will Know Someone, and her email address is Mel at. I will know someone, all one word, dot com. So if it's for work, then, then, or in fact, anything. If you've got any questions, further questions, stuff, send them through to Mel. She'll, she'll uh, pass them on to, to the wife and I. Yeah. And we don't, I don't give out my uh, phone number and email anymore. Uh, I'm not on Twitter. I'm not on Facebook. And that's because I don't want to be concerned about so many other people's opinions. Yeah, so the, you just the, totally shut off from. Uh, yeah. You know, I've got the important people You're in my just life. Focused mate. on your own happiness, but now that you understand what that happiness is, uh, even better than that is contentment. Happiness yeah. is transient; it comes and goes. Yeah. If you're looking for happiness, you you're going to be successful half the time, and you're going to fail half the time because it comes and goes. Mm-hmm. You will never be totally. <laughs> I now am so grateful and content with my life. With, with, with uh, you know, my beautiful children, with, with with all the things that I get to do, I have legs, I can walk, and I, I nearly put, I nearly took them away from me, you know, not not only the rest of it. So, I I it do, I don't want that to sound like I'm I'm settled with my lot. That's not what I mean. 
I'm grateful. I'm con- I'm so content with what I have. Mm-hmm. And we as a family still aspire to do more. But when you can anchor yourself in that gratitude for what you have, it's a brilliant place to start, mate. Mm-hmm. And that, that that's where we that's where we are. Brilliant. Oh, absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people will find it extremely inspirational. Yeah. Uh, All the best editing that down. <laughs> <laughs> Just throw it out. Yeah. Throw it out as it is. It's going to be a long one, but <laughs> no, but mate, th- thank you very much for coming. Yeah, oh, cheers. Really, really appreciate cheers. that. Thank you very much. Oh, I've told some stories there I've not told before. You know. <laughs> Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.